that quote is so powerful. It was really great advice because it's like, can you outlast the shitty you to get to the one that you want to get to? And that's really what we're all trying to do is like is move past the, the part of us that we don't find the most favorable to a place where we can actually thrive and see the world and and have a greater perspective. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Welcome to the Push Podcast. This is your host, Edward Copeland. And Janelle Copeland. Awesome. You weren't ready, so I had to just take that thunder. Well, there you have it. Welcome. What what episode is this? Do your your job, lady. Jeez. I don't know if I like you right now, actually. <laughs> this is episode number 88. If you are keeping up with the Push podcast, then it's around 5-11, May 11th, 2021. Today, we want to keep things a little fun, but very informative. And we're going to be talking about some of the best advice you ever received. Yeah. Um, but before we get there. You have a what in the I world. I have a what in the world. Okay. I okay. have a what in the world, too, because my eyes hurt really bad right now. And it's... Oh. I, okay. For whatever reason, I can't wear fake eyelashes anymore. The adhesive really gets to my eyes. That's my what in the world. There you have it. <laughs> so my, I have two what in the world. So my first what in the world mm, I is- I have one too. Go my ahead. First, first word, what in the world is, is what in the world are we doing to our planet? Okay. Um, we just watched a documentary. Seaspiracy? Um, no. Which one? We just watched oh. a documentary called um, The Year the, the Earth Changed. Right. And so this Very was a, a Apple Plus or App, yeah, Apple TV Plus show or documentary that was highlighting the 12 months of lockdown throughout mm-hmm. the, the world and all the different benefits we saw through the, the globe, right? We saw fresh water. We saw pollution reduced to almost zero. Mm-hmm. I mean, people in India that lived right next to the Himalayas could right. start now see the Himalayas. They have never seen that view before. And they live right next door to right. the largest mountain <laughs> range on the planet, right. right? And so it was just interesting to me that, that I was like, we need to have a mandatory three-month shutdown just so the earth can recover from all the shit we do to it. Yeah. Right? I was kind of taken aback by the elephants. So the elephants, like they're starting to roam all over. I don't know if it was in Thailand or where it was. And they just start (laughs) eating all of the farmer's crops, right? So then the farmers are chasing them away. And you're just so sad because it's like, well, they need to eat like (laughs) three tons of food a day, Right, right? Right, So this village comes together and they wind up planting crops for the elephants to feed off of so they'll leave their farms alone. Mm -hmm. And it was just this brilliant, like, you know, moment for humanity where I was like, we can coexist. Oh, this is possible. So we're thinking that we need to go through some sort of humanity training in order to coexist with other living creatures on this earth because we don't do a very good job of that. But I said from the very beginning, like... It was almost like God wanted us to take a break. Mm -hmm. We needed to just pause the earth for a moment. Right. 
That's why it was a global pandemic. Right. And everybody needed to stay home, get grounded. You spend time with your family, even if they get on your nerves, <laughs> even if you wanted to send your kids to school. And right. I just I want to stop and take a moment and appreciate the fact that it was great for our Earth. Yeah. And it was just I, I didn't realize how quickly the Earth could like recover, mm -hmm. right? That to me, like anytime I hear about like pollution and, and climate change and all these different things, I think, oh man, this this no coming back. Right. But it shows you that like mother nature is extremely resilient, mm -hmm. it's extremely powerful and can make a comeback really quickly. Like it, it, I mean, we're talking in three months, we were seeing substantial changes mm -hmm. in water cleanliness and, and pollution. Uh, and then animals were responding by, multiplying and cohab was it cohabitating right yeah that's the right word i think and, and turtles and you know because beaches were clear and all these different things and it's just like you know how do we find that balance to kind of get out of the way and let mother nature do its thing yeah i don't know i don't know as of right now we suck and so that's why this is a what in the world do you yeah. have another one uh, i do but i kind of forgot so you go okay next. <laughs> so my what in the world eddie was in charge of dinner the other night and he was like how about we order from Lazy dog. Lazy dog. Oh, God, and I was like, funny. okay, great. So he orders from Lazy Dog, gets this family meal, it gets delivered, and it's like this wonderful meal of like grilled chicken, mashed potatoes, cauliflower mashed potatoes, spinach. Like it was this whole thing. And I was like, good job, honey. Thank you so much yeah. for taking charge on this. Like a nice, healthy meal for our family. And we have leftovers. I love this. Right on. So the next night we had like leftover mashed potatoes and I was like, I really want to get some chicken. I need more chicken. Maybe they'll give us two sides of greens or something. And so I'm going to reorder. And so you said, OK, well, why don't you call and just go pick it up? So I called and you said, call. Call Lazy Dog. OK, so called Lazy Dog. If you don't have a Lazy Dog where you're listening, it's a restaurant. I call, place an order, and they send me a link and they say via text and they say, can you pay for it? No problem. I pay for it. They say, come in 20 minutes. Well, I go in 30 minutes and I pull into the parking lot. It's in a mall and a uh, mall parking lot. There's all these restaurants. I pull in. It says, you know, parking right here for pickup to goes. So this guy comes over. He's like, hey, how can I help you? I'm like, oh, my name is Janelle Copeland. I'm picking up an order. I ordered family meals. He goes, okay, let me run in. If I don't come right back, then that means we need a couple more minutes. No problem. I'm listening to an audiobook. No worries. He comes back right away and he's like, what did you say your name was? Janelle Copeland. Okay, let me check by your last name leaves comes back brings someone else their food he comes up to me again he goes yeah we can't seem to find your order so i'm a little annoyed right yep. and i go well i'm not sure why because you guys texted me and said to come in 20 minutes and it's actually been 30 so you know maybe you need a little bit more time but if you don't have the order then we need to figure that out right he goes yeah i don't know let me go talk to my manager and figure <laughs> it out and i was like well let me show you my confirmation maybe that will help so I show him the text message and he has zero response. He goes, um, ma'am, uh, this actually says that it's from Lazy Dog. And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, you're at Lucille's. Like I was in the pickup. That's a moment right there. Parking for Lucille's. And I literally, I said, <laughs> 
fuck. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. And he started laughing and I was like, I'm so sorry. He goes, their parking is over there and like points. And it's like the next row of parking over. But every single time you ordered it, I'm thinking like meat, barbecue. Mm -hmm. And I know you kept saying lazy dog. I even called lazy dog. They even said, thank you for calling lazy dog. But it just was registered in my mind that it was actually Lucille's that we got the food from. Right. And so I went to Lucille's pickup, didn't know where I was. So it was like an 80-year-old moment. Yeah. I literally, <laughs> well, so, I was like, I, should I tell them this? Because they're going to make fun of me. But it so, was pretty funny. Well, it's so interesting. And I, I'm um, reading this book called Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain. Mm. Written Good by thing it's not seven and a half inches. Of, of, of the brain. I don't know. <laughs> My mind just went somewhere else. What is, what's going on? <laughs> you said seven and a half. I'm like, shoe size, inches, what? Oh, no, Anyways, seven and a half. <laughs> Lessons about the brain. And one of the things that's fascinating about the brain that, that I, I never knew before is that the brain operates more as a predictor of something. Oh, for certain. Than, than a reaction. So what, what that means is, is like, Everything that we are, you know, we see, we do is based off of our memory, mm -hmm. our, our past, and we predict and complete the rest. And so that's how we're able to process things a lot faster. But sometimes that that fails us if we get it wrong. So sometimes like for, your predictive text is wrong. Right. You're, yes. Exactly. Your predict, right. That's a good mm -hmm. one. Your predictive text is wrong. And so what you were doing is you were predicting Lucille's and it wasn't correcting until he said, oh, you know, you're at lazy. You're at, right. yeah, you're my at predictive text was very certain that yeah. I was supposed to be at Lucille's and there was no Grammarly autocorrect, nothing. <laughs> my brain was just very certain that that's where he got it, even right. though I said you, it many yeah. times. And so it's so funny because when we're in school and everything and we're learning something new, our brain is trying to complete what we're getting ready to learn, but we don't know it yet. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what the scientists call that. Mm. No. They call it learning. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> so oh, I didn't you, predict that. <laughs> you just learned something. I guess. But uh, that's that's an interesting thing. So that was my knowledge. Um, so wait, knowledge they call the it word. learning, but it is predictive text. But when you're wrong with your predictive text, that's not learning. That's right. a mistake. Right. When you are wrong with your predictive text, then your brain has to adjust. And now you have now corrected it. So uh -huh. you've learned it. And so going forward, your brain will now predict what you just learned. So is that a life lesson for learn from your mistakes? <laughs> yeah, learn from your mistakes. <laughs> you always learn from your mistakes like, because of your predictive text. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, to give you an example. So, for example, the, you know, the story that was told in the book was, you know, this guy was in the military for many, many years. And so he was actually in Africa fighting guerrilla warfare. Right. So these, you know, the guerrilla warfare individuals are young kids typically that have the part of a militia, so to speak. And so he was actually out doing a training run and he saw what he thought was a guerrilla soldier. It sounds like racial profiling. To yeah, me. kind of. Okay. But I'm um, predictive texting whole, your whole right, story right now. He saw. He thought he what he thought he saw was a guerrilla soldier holding a a gun mm -hmm. with a basically an army behind him, and so he prepares his weapon to shoot, mm -hmm. and the, and someone came behind him and said, "Hey, it's only a, a boy. Mm -hmm. Don't do it." And so when he 
looked at it again after being corrected, it was only a shepherd boy holding a staff mm. and he was guiding sheep. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is, is that you're training and everything you're, you're preparing, your brain is prepared to see what it has been, you know, been looking for or preparing or practicing and, 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 and training for. And then you see something different. And so all of a sudden that, that correction happens. So it's a fascinating book. I'm learning a lot about some of the new things that the, that they're finding about the brain. One is which is that what in the world, the neocortex is not a thing. And I thought that that was a thing. And so now I've been corrected. So, so basically, um, <laughs> here's a quote to kind of tie into the lesson that you just gave. Um, I don't jump into conclusions. I cannonball into them like a boss. You just jump all into whatever you think it is. And sometimes it's wrong, right? But the, what's also aren't always what the really think. cool quote is that your brain, when a brain is exposed to something and experience, it doesn't ask, what is this? It asks, what is this like? Because it only has something to use as a reference. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, it can't, it's not going to create something new. It has to reference something. Uh, and so, you know, we did an episode about comparison. And so it's interesting how we gravitate to comparison because our brain, it uses comparison, so to speak, to make the world that we see. Mm -hmm. right? Which is why like comparison kind of makes you feel so bad because we're jumping to like the worst conclusions because we don't have all the information. Right. So your predictive text is actually wrong mm -hmm. in a lot of cases because you're predicting like worst case scenario. And predictive text is that's a perfect analogy for what um, the brain does. So that's, you know, that was just a little tangent to tell you what the brain is going. But you know, today we're talking about advice, which is another thing your brain uses to do <laughs> to, stuff. To process life lessons. <laughs> and I don't remember what my other word in the world was. Well, we'll come back That's to it. That's a what in the world. What the hell am I doing? All right. Okay. So I was listening to Clubhouse about a month ago and the room was titled Best Advice I Ever Got. <laughs> okay. What are, what? <laughs> so, can I just say, say this? What in the world clubhouse? We did a clubhouse the other day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we had oh. an, what in the world? When people are in the wrong room, mm -hmm. right? They are in the wrong room. Carrying on and carrying on. Carrying on. Like you've ever, my, what in the world? My what in the world is when people are talking about something and they're saying a lot of words, but they are not saying anything <laughs> at all. That was this person. They literally... Yeah spoke for like two or three minutes and I and I literally was sitting there going, what the <laughs> fuck did they just say? They didn't say anything. Like nothing <gasps> of substance mm. came out. They It was just like a lot of circle words. talking. Like, <laughs> oh, I just want to make sure that we do things that are, you know, that are certain and, and that we are helping and not helping, but when people are there and you're going, <laughs> what are you saying to me right now? Oh, I wanted to pull out my eyeballs. So yeah. I'm so sorry. That was my what in the world. So use brev practice brevity. <laughs> use less less words is your lesson. But no, say this. something. We'll say something <laughs> with substance, I guess, is what you're basically saying, you know, don't speak unless you have something to say. Like no, but it was epic. just like you know when someone is just talking just yeah, to no, talk. No, I get it. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, just like Okay. okay. 
So moving on back to my clubhouse experience, the room was titled the best advice I ever got. And so immediately, like I think of a lot of the things that I've learned that I've, you know, shared with the kids. I asked Jordan, what's the best advice you ever got? And she said, closed mouths don't get fed. That's mm-hmm. the thing you've imprinted in my brain the most. Like, I think that's the mo- the advice I get the most. Right. Yeah, because I want to teach my kids to stand up for themselves and to, you know, advocate for themselves. So we say that a lot. Closed mouths don't get fed. If you're in a class, if you are at a job and you think that people know what the hell you're going through, they don't. They're not mind readers. So right. speak up. Closed mouths don't get fed. What's one that comes to mind for you? Opportunities are created than taken. And, mm-hmm. you know, the reason why it, it stuck with me is because I was I was about 25 years old. We were working for um, Best Buy at the time. And we were talking about like sales leadership. So being on the floor and and like, you know, and leading the team when it comes to sales performance. And I had come up with this acronym, right? That I was going to go and present to like the entire region. Mm -hmm. Plus I think there was like a president of retail or something, whatever. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And so I went up there and I I did this presentation uh, and it went really well. And it was one of the first times I really got in front of anyone to speak and I came off the stage and I'll never forget it was Steve Hurst he said amazing job remember opportunities are created and then they're taken and you took it today good job nice job honey. and I and I was just like and it never left me that's so it's good. not like the most profound, like, you know, silk words, but yeah, it was but definitely- But you create the opportunities, which I right. believe, and then you either take them, destroy them, you know, don't show up for them because you're mm-hmm. scared. Sleep it can be a lot. Yeah. yeah. Don't properly prepare for the opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So people call that luck, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, he got lucky. No. Right. Preparation is mm-hmm. the, what is it? Luck is the intersection of preparation and opportunity. Yep. Yeah. So that's good. Maybe we butchered that. I don't know. So I'm going to tell you a couple of the things that I heard because just listening, I was like, I'm going to take notes on this. This is really good. So I can't credit because I don't know who it is. And if you're new to Clubhouse, there is no recording. So I was Mm -hmm. just like on a walk taking some quick notes. So someone said that their parent taught them all the time. When you go to complain about a problem, make sure you come to the table with at least two solutions. Mm -hmm. Imagine if everyone in the world taught their kid that. Oh, my God. Like we would just be like, hey, I noticed that there's a pothole in my street, on my street in my neighborhood. And I was just thinking, you know, some of the funding that we're whatever. (laughs) But people could come up with so many solutions if we just kind of lived by that. I thought that was good. I love that because it will stop people from living in the problem state. Like People live in problem state forever. And a problem state is when you you have a situation, there's an issue that you're dealing with. And you're so deep in it that you don't even think about solutions. All you do is replay the problem in your head over and over and over until it drives you crazy. Right. Next one. This one's like if you're indecisive, if you're on the fence about something, don't know which way to go, what decision is best. This person said um, that their grandmother used to always say, what would the four M's say? Your mother, your mentor, the media, and your maker. Mm. That's good. I love that. I was like, thank you so much for that gift. And I wish I could credit it was someone's grandmother. And I just think that you should have some sort of filter that you should run tough decisions through. Mm -hmm. And like, think about it, like the media, that's like, if this were to be on the headlines tomorrow, and this was the decision that you made, 
would you do it? Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's good. Thinking of drugs? Well, what would your mother say? What would your mentor say? What would the media say? And what would your maker say? Maybe don't do the drugs. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and what would Michael Jordan say? That's oh my other gosh. <laughs> um, Do you have another one? Yeah, I have another one. Poor self-confidence comes from neglect. Mm. So don't neglect yourself. Love that. And I, you know that's powerful because you think about like, much of the things that we want to do require us to show up with some type of confidence. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have confidence, it's usually because we've neglected something. We've right. neglected ourselves. We've neglected action. We've neglected our past and from a standpoint of how significant it can play a huge part in our future. Maybe and, healing from that. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it made me think about another, another well, piece of advice. Can I say something about that yeah. one really quick? Yeah. Read it again. Poor self-confidence comes from a, a lack of neglect. So we're getting ready to, uh, we just started a session of Passion to Profit, our eight-week course with 155 new students. One of the main things we talk about, which help to breed confidence, is your body. Mm -hmm. Like the decisions that you have made that you might regret, that you start hiding behind because of shame. Right. So it makes me think of also the neglect that you give your body. You yeah, know? I love it. And it plays into this thing because I think about neglect, I think about the, your past. And so another one is history. And this was, for, and so a lot of my, this was so interesting. A lot of the advice I take is from things I read. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's the exact same thing that was said, or sometimes I like interpret it differently and it becomes advice for me. But one of them was history is both warning and inspiration. Mm, I love that. Right. And so I think that if you live by that, like history is both warning and inspiration, I think you would ha live a solid life. Mm, I agree. I think we talked about that a lot during like the summer of 2020, all mm -hmm. the racial injustice and right. stuff. So here's another one. Everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to change their world. Ooh. That cuts deep, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I don't know why, but I wrote Denise Hamilton. That's who said that. So there's the credit there. Uh, everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to change their world. Mm. That cuts deep. Um, yeah. Go ahead. You have another one? Yeah. Um, this is another one of my favorite ones. True kindness comes in a form of empowerment. Mm, yeah. And that was by me. I just gave myself that advice. Well, elaborate <laughs> on it. Well, because so it's interesting uh, interacting with individuals that make these crazy sacrifices, they overreach themselves because they're trying to be kind, uh, especially like for parenting. Like parents sometimes think that they got to do all these things for their kids to be kind and gentle. But the reality is, is true kindness is empowerment. Mm -hmm. Like when you can really challenge someone, when you can really push someone to stand up on their own, to take on their own fight, they can carry that with them forever. Your kindness that's overreaching, that's enabling, that's in disabling people mm -hmm. from the fight that they need to have in life is not kind. Right. It may feel kind, but what it really is, is selfishness. Mm -hmm. So it's just something that you want to keep in mind that you want to make sure that anytime that you're trying to help people, that you're you're instilling empowerment. Got it. So here's another one, and this one's great. Again, I don't know who it's by. Learn how to hold a funeral. And this is about like grief and letting go of things, right? So she said, say goodbye to the things that you're saying goodbye to. Like actually take the time to mourn and grieve them. She said at every milestone, there will be gratitude and grief. Mm. 
Mm. So take the time to express reverence for what has passed. Mm. So that could be, you know, hey, I just got out of this toxic ass relationship. She's like, girl, hold a funeral for that. Mm. Like, that's good. Like, accept what it is. Bring it to an end. You know, lean into the gratitude of that and then also accept the grief and you're done. So she says that most of the time we don't have funerals for things that we need to let die out of our lives. Yeah, and it's so crazy because I was mentioning that the book I was reading earlier and it talks about how when you're in a relationship with someone, whether it be a friendship, a marriage, you know, your children, whatever it is, your brain works like we all kind of synchronize in a sense. And so when you when a relationship is broken or you have a breakup, you actually do lose a part of yourself mm-hmm. because a part you, you lean on that person. So like your facial expressions, your mood impacts me because we're in a relationship and the things you matter to me and I care. And mm-hmm. so when you have a relationship that breaks apart, you actually are mourning a piece of yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's just an interesting um, like concept. Yeah, I thought that was pretty powerful, though. Yeah, I love that. One of the things I I uh, I heard that I thought was really good advice is said, when you're overthinking, write. When you're underthinking, read. And then hopefully you'll stop thinking and you'll act. Mm. And those are one of those situations where I the first part uh, was someone else's advice and I wish I could credit. And then the second part, I just add it because I think that when you stop thinking, you, you do act. Right. But it's just a good like advice because so often we are like, we feel stuck and, and maybe if you're in a creative space or if you, you know, you're just trying to reinvent yourself, whatever it is, if you're underthinking and you don't have any ideas, you do need to have some exposure. You do need to read. You do need to allow your mind to be expanded by another person's world, Mm -hmm. uh, so to speak. And I think that that is super helpful. Yeah, that's good. This one's kind of a no brainer, but it's still worth, it's worthy of repeating because we did an entire episode on knowing versus doing. So this is just knowledge is not the same as wisdom. And Mm. that's true. Like you could know how to do a lot of things, but wisdom, I think, tells you the importance of it. It expresses the importance of, okay, well then, act on it if you know that it's something that you should be doing. Yeah. And then like one of the last ones I, I got was, and this one is kind of abstract, and I'll, but I'll explain it. It says, <laughs> power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did and it never will. Elaborate. And so that's Frederick Douglass. And what it means is, is that when you need power, when you're trying to obtain power, you must make a demand. Mm-hmm. And if you're trying to spark something in yourself, you must demand of yourself to do something in order for you to concede, in order for you to take the power. Mm-hmm. And I just thought I, I like it was a political statement when he was when he said it. But for me, it was advice for my own uh, intrinsic power, for the things that I want to obtain that that it is power that you have to make a demand, you have to make an action, you have to show up, you have to confront it in order to take it, in Mm -hmm. order to assume it. And so you think about like, even for your, like let's just say your physical health, if you want to take back the power in your body, you must make a demand. Mm -hmm. So that means you have to go and exercise, which is a demand on your body to take power from, you know, take power or assume power of your own self then that power could be literal power, like strength. That could be mental power, discipline. Um, And so it was just a a deep quote 
that it was became um, a, a definitely advice for me. Yeah, that's good. Bit. Your life is your responsibility. So I think that that's a big one we often talk about. Uh, there's one person that's the common denominator in every single thing in your life, and that's you. So, you know, things may not have been your fault, but they're always your responsibility. Your life is your responsibility, regardless of what happened to you as a kid, regardless of what trauma you may have experienced, how you move forward from that is your responsibility. And I think a lot of times we are debilitated by the trauma or the impact. And I'm not saying things shouldn't hurt at all, but I'm saying at some point, like your future self is relying on you to take the responsibility to get over it so it doesn't bleed into the rest of your life. Yeah, as simple as that sounds, I think that's the thing that people don't want for it to be true Mm -hmm. right because it's so it's so much more convenient to give it to someone else well think this is (laughs) in everything this is like your energy you know oh i'm just so tired well there's actual scientific data stating that if you jumped around you could create energy right that's your responsibility then your happiness we talked you know about will and jada having this issue and then him saying you know what i can't make you happy until you can make yourself happy so go find your own happiness and Mm -hmm. she couldn't right (laughs) um that's fulfillment it makes me think about your career or your business or whatever you do for a living so many times people are complaining about how they hate their job they hate the commute, they hate their coworkers. Well, if you took responsibility for that, you would be applying to get another job. Right. Right. So I don't know. That's a big one. I I like anything with responsibility. Yeah. And I think that those things too are when people have created a a expectation of reality of how something's supposed to be, and they become so rigid that when it doesn't turn out to be how they want it to be, and they don't take the responsibility to adapt to a certain extent so that they can make it useful for them, it's very easy just to point the finger at someone right. else, right? And so, like, and, and I hope you guys hear that. If you're listening to the Push podcast right now and you are in a situation, whether it be your work, your career, your business, and it is not what you expected it to be, and you're you're sitting there frustrated and you're sitting in that and you're not finding ways to adapt so that you can pivot and make things better for yourself, mm-hmm. then you're not taking responsibility. Right. Yep. That one's a big one for us. Yeah. Here's uh, one I really like. So release the idea that things could have been any other way. Mm. So you start a business, it fails for whatever reason. You start to tell yourself, I should have never done that. I should have listened to people. And it's always like this regret, this remorse, and this shame that's associated with it. But if you commit to something and then you release the idea that things could have been any other way, then you just get to acceptance much quicker. Yeah. And we talked about this in in a previous episode. I can't remember what we were talking about. You heard it on the podcast where Eric Thomas, his the guy that does him with him, he was saying him and his wife were going to move across the country. Mm -hmm. And they were like, should we do this? Is this a good or a bad idea? Right. And what did they say? Um, Well, they said that they had to make it a good idea. Right. Like like you or make it a good decision. And so sometimes you're at these pivotal moments where 
you have to make a decision and you're paralyzed because you're like, you don't know what decision is a good decision. Mm -hmm. The good decision is going to be the one that you put the most energy and focus in to make it a good decision. So you could say, should we move across the country? Like, I'll be away from my family. What if I get lonely? Whatever decision you make, you have to choose to make that the right decision. And this one's just like release the idea that it could have been any other way. So you get there, you decide to move, you get there. If you don't commit to this is the best idea, I'm going to make it the best idea, then you wind up that one time where you're lonely and you're like, I knew we shouldn't have done this. I knew that I was going to feel lonely. I knew it's like we're constantly looking to validate our feelings, right? So that's that predictive text. Mm -hmm. I knew this was going to happen. Well, you did, but you also committed to making this the best decision. Yeah, and it, I love that piece of advice because you know I love stoicism, and one of that's it's very much in line with a stoic quote when they said, "Don't wish it would it was different. Don't wish it was better. Wish it was exactly how it is," because when you do that, like you said, you get to acceptance, and then you get to appreciation, and then you get to make the most out of it. Yeah, that yeah. reminds me of uh, I think it's Jim Rohn. He says. Don't wish it were easier. Yeah. Wish you were better. better. Yeah. And the way he says it, don't it's wish different. it was easier. Wish you were better. That's a great one. That's <laughs> yeah. a great one right there. That was a bonus. Oh, you know, and I'll say one of the best advice that I received during a time I needed it most was was Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, can you outlast your old you to get to your new you? Mm-hmm. And the kids, we used to play that, um, his his little mixtape. Mix mm-hmm. And they used to say that with so much enthusiasm, uh, like, you know, just not mocking it, but just like having yeah. fun with it. They would sing Mondays. Alcohol. Yeah. And yeah. so, they, you know, that, that quote is so powerful. It was really great advice because it's like, can you outlast the shitty you to get to the one that you want to get to? And that's really what we're all trying to do is like is move past the the part of us that we don't find the most favorable to a place where we can actually thrive and see the world and and have a greater perspective. Yeah, I I don't know. That one's a really good one. Um, And I like Eric Thomas. So here's another one. Katie Couric apparently wrote a book and it's called shoot where it's called. I'm going to find it for you. It's called The Best Advice I Ever Got, but then there's like lessons from, I don't know, smart people or something. I'll link it in the (laughs) show notes and let you guys know what it was. But here's one. Never play hide and seek with the truth. Never play hide and seek with the truth. Like you can't hide from the truth, Mm. right? So if you're like, oh, this doesn't feel good, but I'm going to do it anyways. So another thing on Clubhouse we were talking about was how many times in the 12 years that the Cake Mamas made wedding cakes did a bride actually cancel their wedding on their wedding day. Mm. And it was about five in 12 years. Oh God. Like we literally had the cake. You know, the funny thing is, is people don't dare call you and ask for their money back because mm-hmm. they know if they canceled their wedding on that day, everything's already about to yeah. happen. You're not getting a dime back. But <laughs> I think that that's the true definition of never play hide and seek with the truth. Like, because you get so pressured into like, well, we have to do this. I'm just going to pretend he's my Prince Charming. I just, I'll do it, right? So maybe you're trying to appease your family. Maybe you know how much money you've invested in this, but the truth shall set you free. Like if you know that you shouldn't be getting married, Mm -hmm. you can't consider all that, even your wedding cake. I don't know. I thought that one was really good. That's Madeline Albright that said that. (laughs) And so, you know, so as we go through and and talk about 
advice. You know, one of the things I think is interesting is how difficult people are. And what I mean by that is how hard it is sometimes to give someone advice when they really, really need it. Mm. Right. And, you know, and, and I'm not coming from a place like, Hey, you know, I just dish out advice even when people, cause you know, people say, well, you give me advice. I didn't ask for it. Well, typically when you need advice, you're not asking for it. Right. <laughs> like you just, yeah. like people who really need advice don't know they need advice. Mm-hmm. That's just, you know, that's just the, that's think, a what in the world. That's right a what there. in the world. But I can't tell you how many how often I'm trying to give people su- suggestions and they're old, not their old you, but I would say their ego, their pride, their, you know, wanting to prove themselves mm-hmm. is so in the way right. of receiving something they desperately need. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess my challenge for people listening to Push Podcast is when was the last time someone like offered you advice? Mm-hmm. And if you and if they haven't, there's a couple things at play there. Are you not open? Right. Are you are you do you present yourself as a as closed off that you can't be told anything? Mm-hmm. Or are you not surrounding yourself around people that care enough to to give you advice or to give you feedback? Right. What's the question that we used to ask? What do you know about me that I should know about me? Right. That's a big one. That's a big one. Who and can you ask that question to if you're listening to the Push podcast? Do you have someone in your life that you can go to and honestly say, what do you know about me that I need to know about me? Right. They might say, mm, you're super selfish. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. So asking for feedback is a really tough thing. But when someone says, hey, can I give you some feedback? Right. It's like you almost know that they're about to come, you know, guns blazing. Well, because that's our social right. like warfare. Like mm-hmm. you, you get to this fight or flight stage and you're like, okay, whatever you say, I, I got to I gotta protect myself. Right. Instead of being curious of saying, maybe there is a blind spot I have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so uh, we love hearing advice w- when it's like, it feels good. It's like, a, oh, this that's a really inspirational quote. Makes me feel like a million bucks. But the best advice is when you, it's critical, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the advice that's going to help you overcome things that you may not know that are going to be in your way in the future because of the fact that you're operating in with this level of unconsciousness or blindness to some of the negative things that you do. Yeah. One of my favorites is by Maya Angelou, uh, when you know better, you do better. And this one sparks a lot of controversy between like my stepmom and I. Mm. She's really about accountability, right? So if people are homeless or on drugs or whatever, she's like, okay, you made the choices to get yourself there. And I'm like, well, when you know better, you do better. And she's not quite sure if that applies to that, Mm. which I get it. If you decided to do drugs, then, you know, I guess you didn't know better. (laughs) But it applies really in every situation because when you, well, it's not that you do when you know better, you do better. It's telling you when you know better, you should do better. Yeah. And maybe when you don't know and you're just ignorant, then that's okay. But when you know better based off of the fact that that didn't yield great results, then you are forced to do better. When you're lacking information or nobody gave you the proper knowledge about money when you were a kid. So now you're spending frivolously, but you take a course on finances and they're telling you, you got to put 10% of your, you know, Mm -hmm. earnings aside. When you know better, you have to do better. Yeah. And I think. You know, when you think about the confusion when you were talking about your stepmom was saying, okay, 
that's one of the conflicts. I guess what, what what comes up is like when people are homeless, you can't assume that their rock bottom is them getting gaining some type of information or knowledge, right? Because a lot of times when we're talking about knowing, it is actually like knowing the answer and knowing within you, within your muscle. To, to put into practice how to get yourself out of it, mm-hmm. how to get yourself to a different place. And so if you if you don't know how to do that, then you actually don't know. Right. So when you know better, do better. Right. That's the command. Yeah. When you know this, then you must do. That's yeah. my that's my iteration of it. So last one is by Michael Bloomberg. He says 80% of success is showing up early. You know how many really? people are late? <laughs> like just late, you're late to the opportunity, you're late to the job mm. interview, you're late, you got your friends waiting on you. When you really like want to be your best, I think in all areas of your life, you're gonna show up early. You're gonna show up mm. expecting a great outcome, generating great energy. But I definitely think that you gotta show up early for the opportunities. Yeah, what it makes me think about too is that in order for you to show up early, you have to have a bit of fearlessness. Mm-hmm. Because showing up early means that, like, you're going, you're in action, and you may be stepping into something that that you're unsure about. You may not have all the answers. You may not necessarily have all the the skills that you need, but you're still there. Yep. And you're willing to put one foot in front of the other. And I think that that's powerful to show up early. I think that that requires fearlessness. Yep. You know, so. Okay. Last, last one. Listen more than you speak. What does that make you feel? You have two ears, one mouth, (laughs) just by default, by math, simple math. You got to listen more. Yeah. And I would say that like for me, like I I have really stepped into that because I I have to hear everything. I got to hear how you're saying it, what words you're choosing, what where's your body language at? And I just get a lot of information right. from that before I even go into anything. So know? I hope this was helpful yeah. for you. We want to know if you could take 30 seconds to either comment or leave a rating and review and just let us know what's the best advice you ever got. I would love not only to see five-star reviews come in, that would be great, but maybe you took some notes and maybe you have something to contribute to the conversation. So what is the best advice you ever got? Yeah, I don't know that I even went over my best advice, but these are all great pieces of advice. Yeah, because you left out one where the old man told you at the airport. Mm, He said, every man is three men. The person they think they are, every man or woman. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me give you some context. (laughs) I was 20 years old working for AT&T Wireless and I had a great position and I was traveling and I sat next to this man. He was an elder, elderly, uh, well put together, wearing a three piece suit, black man, beautiful hat. Like he was just like, he looked great Mm -hmm. and he had the most positive demeanor ever. And so we started chatting and he was just so wise. And so just, I don't know. I just loved it. It was like an hour long flight. And I said, what's the best advice that you can give me like about life? And he said, every man or woman is three men, the person they think they are, the person others think they are and who they really are. Mm. And that has stuck with me, I mean, for over 20 years. There you go. So that's, yeah, I don't know. I think that's good. I want to know what your best advice is and uh, let us know. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Push Podcast. And push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. 
hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review, leave your handle. And until next time, push through.